resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've heard that old fable. It comes from Eastern Europe or from the European countries. There's also a version of it that is told by the Chinese. It's called stone soup. And it goes more or less like this. There are some, in one version, there are some soldiers returning from the wars. They're hungry, they're tired. They come through a little village and they ask the villagers for food. The villagers say no. So the cook gets his pot and he starts boiling some water. He throws some stones in the pot. And as the water boils, he tastes it every now and again and makes these approving noises. Mmm, delicious. It's almost ready. It just needs a little bit more. Maybe just a touch of onion. The villagers are curious, and one of them says, well, I have some onions. The soldier says, well, the cook says, you know, if you throw some onions in, then when it's ready, you can share in the soup. So in go the onions. Taste it again. Yes, it's, it's almost ready, just lacking maybe a bit of tomato. And somebody has some tomatoes, and they throw them in. And slowly but surely, more and more ingredients are thrown in until finally there's this delicious vegetable and chicken soup ready, which everybody shares in, the soldiers and the villagers. The moral of the story is to teach that sharing is a good thing. But isn't it sad that to get there, the soldiers have to engage in deception and also an appeal to selfishness? You know, throw something in the pot and then you get to share it too. The Bible teaches us a totally different vision about sharing. The Bible uses the illustration of a body, where the church is a body and each member is, each member of the church is like a member of a body. And in your body, when your body is not sick, when your body is functioning well, every member, every part delights to fulfill its function for the greater good of the entire person. It's just the nature of things. Your body parts are not selfish. Imagine if they were. But each one just delights to fill its function for the greater good of the body. And so is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our new nature, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not to live in selfishness, but to live in selflessness. Our text says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And the apostle here is emphatic. The, the word that actually begins the text in, in, in his original language is each. There's an emphasis on that word each. Every member of the body has received a gift of God's grace. Everyone in the church has been placed here in this local body of Christ with something received from God and something that you can contribute. Just like in your body, every member is important. If you have to go for surgery and a part has to be removed, you're going to feel the effects of it. Imagine your pancreas, for instance. You know, your pancreas, how, how often do we see our pancreas? We don't. It's hidden away somewhere in, in here. But when it doesn't function, well, the diabetics amongst us know. 
it's a lot of work, isn't it, to try and replicate the function of the pancreas through all of your jabs and your insulin shots. And so every member of the body is needed. And we feel it. We feel the pain when one of the members of the body is missing and isn't contributing. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, says the apostle. Multiform grace is the idea. God's grace comes in all different kinds of shapes and forms. And that's important for us to know. We sometimes confuse unity in Christ with uniformity. Perhaps you've been given a certain gift. God's given you a gift to talk about the Lord Jesus to total strangers on the street and to go knocking on doors and evangelizing. Awesome. But often the temptation is to look at others and say, well, why am I the only one doing this? Why aren't other people more like me? And it's important to know God's grace is varied. It's multiform. Being in Christ does not mean that we need to talk and walk and act and live like everyone else. But being in Christ is knowing what it is to have unity in diversity. Just like your body, right? Imagine if every member did the same thing. The Apostle Paul says, imagine if the whole body were an eye. What do you think, children? Would that be a good thing if your whole body was just an eye? It wouldn't work, would it? And so in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we celebrate, we rejoice in the varied gifts that the Holy Spirit pours out on the congregation. Now these gifts that the Lord gives us are not for us. The apostle says that we ought to be good stewards. And what is a steward? A steward is somebody who administers resources which do not belong to him necessarily. They're in trust. And so when God gives us gifts and blessings and grace, each member of the body, those gifts and blessings of his grace are not for my selfish use, but I need to steward them. I need to administer them fruitfully for God's glory and for the good of the body. I need to serve the other. We need to serve one another. God's grace and love flow into our life. God's gifts are poured out upon us. They don't stop here, but they overflow from us and they flow through us to bless our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. Now, what is the context for these words of the Apostle Peter? The context, as we read it in chapter 4, and it's evident in the rest of the epistle, is that the church is undergoing fierce persecution, mistreatment. They're suffering for the name of the Lord Jesus. They're surrounded by a culture and a society which hates the Christian worldview and Christian ethics. Does that sound familiar? Well, it's much like today, except it was a lot worse back in Peter's time. And what would you expect from a community which is under so much pressure and which is facing so much hostility and opposition? A very human reaction would be bitterness and isolation and anger and fear. 
But the apostle says, none of that. In the context of great suffering and great persecution and great opposition, we ought to shine in the darkness of this hateful world with love and grace and kindness and hospitality and openness. Why? Because that's who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mutual love is the essence and character and mark of God's holy church. And as we see in verse 8 of our chapter, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. That healing, that restoring, that forgiving mutual love reigns supreme above all in Christian community. And people notice that. Oh, do they ever notice that? Back in the 4th century, in the middle of the 4th century, after the Roman Empire took an initial turn towards Christianity, for a while it, it, it flopped back into paganism. There was a certain emperor called Julian the Apostate. And he loved the pagan religions and he hated Christianity and he tried to convert the empire back to paganism. You know what was the most frustrating thing for Emperor Julian the Apostate? He couldn't handle it. He was so frustrated by the love of the Christians. They were so kind, they were so loving to each other, but also as a community to the world around them. Wherever there were needy or vulnerable or poor or sick or dying or travelers that had no place to stay or people that had no place to be buried, there were the Christians with selfless and sacrificial love. And he tried to replicate that. He sent all these orders from up on high from the imperial throne to all the pagan priests. Be like this, be like that. He tried to get the pagan religions to replicate that love. He didn't manage. You know why? Because that love has a source which he didn't know. That love comes from the power of the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And where he is at work, and where he is living in the midst of God's people, where the love of God is poured out in the congregation of God's people, then that is a powerful tool for sharing the good news. Well, how are you stewarding the gifts and the resources that God has entrusted to you? They're God's gifts. God's gifts. And he gives them to you, each and every one of you. Let no one here say, well, I have nothing to offer. Not true. Each must use his gifts to serve one another. Don't be like that guy in the parable who took his talent and buried it in the ground. We're going to use them. Now, how do we use them? Well, the apostle continues in verse 11. He speaks about speaking and doing. So in word and in deed, we ought to be serving one another and using the gift that God has given us. 
The one who speaks is speaking the very oracles of God. That doesn't mean to say that when we speak to each other, we say, listen, you know, this is inspired. This is God talking. It's not like that. But it does mean that when we give a word of encouragement, when an elderly member sits down with a young person and has a coffee at Tim Hortons and shares with them the struggles that they had when they were young and how God brought them through it and how God taught them, then the young person can go away and say, you know what? The Lord used my older brother to speak to me and to teach me. And when we, and when we, do, when we do acts of mutual service and love in all different kinds of ways, it's not us. We're not doing it by ourselves, but we're doing it by the strength that God supplies. It's God's power, God's spirit, moving us to acts of selfless, sacrificial love. And the more that we know God, the more that we come to know him through the word and through the sacraments, the more his Holy Spirit powerfully changes our hearts and directs our speech and transforms our actions. Now, in this coming home visit season, the elders will be visiting us and asking us about this. They'll be encouraging us in mutual service, serve one another. And that's a tough thing for them to do. Because you know what the Lord Jesus says? He said to his disciples and to all church leaders throughout the centuries, you must minister to my people. You must serve them like I did. I did not come to be served, but to serve. And so if in this home visit season we have this theme, serve one another, the elders, the pastors, the preacher, the elders, the deacons, We can't just talk about this. We can't just say it. But we need to show it. We need to model it. And we're just weak sinners. So we need your prayers, brothers and sisters. We need to pray for each other. Now what happens when each one uses the gift of God to serve others When each one faithfully administers God's grace in its various forms, what happens? Well, what happens is this. We taste a little bit of heaven. We taste what it is like to live in the light of God's love. And it also tells the world something. As we live serving one another in mutual love... It tells the world, here are the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when people see the love of God, the love of God in action, then they want to know more. They want to take part in it. And this brings praise and glory to God. Isn't that what the apostle says? Look at the end of verse 11. Whoever serves is one who serves with the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.